Welcome to a very special Paper Keg Podcast. Dick Tracy. We're doing it. We did two other episodes. Shock, surprise episodes. We did with the Wolverine the movie. We did Mask of the Phantasm. And now, Dick Tracy. Jonesy loves beer. I know you're excited about this movie. Super excited. If I had a pastel-colored trench coat matching fedora, I would be wearing it right now. Uh, Jonesy loves beer. You're a writer, so you you know all about this movie business. (laughs) You know, you've written scripts. Uh, that have never left Microsoft Word. <laughs> uh, Dale underscore A is here. I don't know if he's ever written a script, but mm. you're a father, you're an alcoholic, and you're a dear friend, and you just want to talk about Dick Tracy, the movie starring Warren, Warren Beatty. I was, uh, you know, obviously I was 20 years old when the movie came out in 1990, <laughs> so I'm ready. You just had you just got your first salaried position when this movie was out. You took your your engage your fiance yeah, I was to see this movie in theaters. Well, back where we were courting, took her into the theater. Oh gosh, uh, nineteen ninety, Jonesy. Nineteen ninety, this movie comes out. You could have called me the kid. I was wet behind the ears. Nineteen ninety, ten years old, ten years young. Wow. Eight years. Eight, I have no idea how old I am. You don't even know how Eight old you are years. right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, was, uh, I was 10. I was 10. Why are you 10? I'm 10 years old now. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jonesy, were you familiar? Did you grow up with Dick Tracy as a character? Absolutely. Yeah, I had, uh, I had the toys. I had, uh, you know, uh, the bullet hole Chevy... A uh, car that he riddles with his Tommy gun uh, at, at near the climax of the film. I had, you mean the, like, you mean uh, the scene where he just straight up murders like thirty people? With <laughs> yeah, his half Tommy the population gun. of the city he's in. <laughs> yes, I, I recall. Uh, and I think uh, I think I saw. I don't know if I saw this in theaters or with my dad when it came out on video. But I remember me and my old man watching it together. Apparently, he was a fan of the Elliot Gould comic strip from back in the day and there was a cartoon um, segment that didn't really feature Dick Tracy but different villains that I used to watch with him back in the day that was a rebroadcast of a I want to say 16 60 late 60s uh, animated program so yeah Dick Tracy was uh, you know not a fixed fixture in my life but I definitely had some exposure to it once the movie kind of made it popular again I remember the toys a lot. I, and I any yard sale you go to there will be a Dick Tracy toy in mm-hmm. some capacity. Or, you know, I think they might have like um the ET video game mass produced 10,000 uh, editions of Mumbles because wherever you go <laughs> you will find a Dick Tracy and then a purple Mumbles. <laughs> the character that nobody wanted. <laughs> right. Uh you know, when you had a rich neighborhood for Halloween, they would just buy them by the crate. Instead of a candy, you just get a mumbles in your bag. Did what about you, Dale? I I definitely remember. I don't remember if I saw it in theaters. I remember seeing the trailer in theaters, 
and I just remember the fanfare around it getting released. Like I was genuinely excited for this movie. It was just cool. And for somehow I knew it was based on a comic strip. I can't remember if maybe that was in the trailer or I just knew it at that point in my life. Um, but to see, but to, to see such a fantastical thing <clears throat> come out, I mean, Dick Tracy with his, you know, his fluorescent yellow coat and his, uh, and the liberties taken by the, um, you know, by the very caricatured villains, and to see and to see that was being put into a movie at the time was just uh, it was just really cool that they were taking the chance. I guess to me as a ten year old, um, it was cool to to know that you know it was this old. Um, it was this old comic strip and they were making a movie out of it. It was cool because, you know, in my in my time, in my periphery, like Superman had already been out. You know, it wasn't something that wasn't exciting for me because it was already out. So I, I wasn't there to see it, like, coming up with teaser trailers and stuff like that. So to see, like, this thing from pop culture being made, it was cool. I don't remember having any of the toys and stuff, though, but I, that part of my... I don't remember what toys I had as a kid. There's a lot of part. There's a lot of parts of my childhood I don't remember. Well, when you get into your late sixties, you tend to forget those <laughs> early know, years. That's what happens. Senility underscore A. I, uh, well, I, I think this movie has a dual meaning for me. You know, um, first of all, it's a it's a wonderfully realized comic book film. I mean, all the way from the art direction and set direction mm-hmm. and the costumes. I mean, this is this is this hits. All the high notes, and I think this got nominated for quite a few Academy Awards in those technical categories. I mean, it's a gorgeous-looking film, and then it also reminds me of those old uh, movies where, if the director and star, like in this case Warren Beatty, was so popular, he could just get a cast of like forty named actors who just want to come out and be a part of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if that's because they were fans of the comic, which is I'm sure is unlikely, or the fact that Warren Beatty put out a call to all his friends to, hey, come be in this movie and support me. Because there's a ton of stars and cameos. For instance, uh, Mandy Patankin as 88 Keys. Uh, Let's see, who else besides that? Uh, At the Table. Jimmy Kimmel and, and the rest. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at the table where they have the big crime meeting, there's uh, James Caan, I believe, is mm-hmm. there. Dustin you Hoffman. You have uh, Dustin Hoffman as Mumbles. Young actor by the name of Al Pacino. And, of course, the biggest name is Big Boy Caprice. And when I talk about costuming being so big, anything he appeared in, you know, even with his makeup, which was a caricature, but anything he appeared in clothes wise, he was the best dressed, ugliest person I've <laughs> ever seen in cinema. Uh, it, and this is really just a triumph of all those factors coming together to really make a very special looking film. Which to me was just impressed me when I just went back to watch it for the show because. I hadn't seen it since I was 10 or 11 or 12 years old. And back then, all these actors didn't mean squat to me. And, you know, looking back now, I've seen a lot more movies with all these people in it. And it's just like, holy crap, everybody was in this movie, whether 
they had a name back then or not, like even like William Forsythe, who barely needed any makeup for his, you know, because of that, first, <laughs> that flat top roll. For, yeah, for his flat top roll because of his nose. And I mean, everybody's in it. Catherine O'Hara is in it. Uh, Paul, Madonna. Madonna's in it. Paul Servino is in it. Sexy Madonna. Can you imagine how great this movie had been if Madonna wasn't in it? I mean, let's let's whoa, be real. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you did not appreciate Madonna okay. as breathless? This this is where this is where I'm sure you guys will take adverse reaction to my review, uh, where I think the original songs were incredible for this film and very catchy and poppy, and that's what Madonna does best. I thought her acting was a little wooden. Maybe maybe that was the uh, the intention, but it kind of got all my nerves towards the end. Yeah, Plus, she's a homewrecker, breaking up Tess and, and Dick Tracy, his one true love. Come on. I thought she was there for the eye candy, too. I mean, I didn't think she was bringing any, anything to the table, you know, actress acting ability-wise, but she she was there to do the job in 1990. I mean, Madonna was it. She was like Beyonce. She was like then. Beyonce. Should we talk about the actual plot? Jonesy, do you want to give a yeah, I thought, yeah. an overview of sure. what the movie was? Fine. Uh, so Detective Dick Tracy is the main opposition to a city that is rife with organized crime. Uh, his best girl is Tess Trueheart, the independent, uh, flapper-esque young lady who... Uh, can do it on her own, but just admires Dick Tracy, and maybe they'll get together someday. And uh, they both discover the kid who has witnessed uh, several key mobsters uh, being murdered by number one enforcer for Big Boy Caprice, played by Al Pacino, uh, Flat Top. So the kid goes on the run, Dick Tracy takes him under his wing, and what follows is a slightly convoluted master plot by the seemingly harmless Breathless Mahoney to both get back at Big Boy for killing Lips Manless and putting her in danger, and Dick Tracy for not falling in love with her, as was her plan. She becomes a master villain called The Blank and sets up both Dick and uh, Big Boy to take a big fall at the end of the film. But Master Detective... And force of will have her, Dick Tracy, doesn't stand for it. Ends up saving the day. And uh, just when you think he's going to marry that sweetheart, he's called back to action once again. I thought actually, <clears throat> I thought Dick Tracy was a pretty terrible cop during this entire <laughs> film. I thought it was awful. He Why did a he... lot of twirling. The twirling <laughs> for the trench coat might have been his key role in this film. I mean, he didn't give a crap about a warrant. He didn't really give a crap about the law, it, it, but only when it was connected to needing to throw this kid in an orphanage. Absolutely. He kept saying it was the law. Yeah. But he otherwise, did do a lot of beating up during interrogations. That was his main move. But it was the, the 30s. Um, Everybody did that. <laughs> I don't know when I saw it. Maybe it was when the VHS came out, but I remember seeing this movie. I think I was... I think I might have been too young to see it because I remember specifically the mumbles scene and the lips um, concrete scene 
being too much for me as a kid. Oof. Like I remember kind of being frightened when I saw that. And those t- seeing this movie again, probably for the first time since that, I remember I remember it coming up. And I was like, man, I remember this when I was young, and it like freaked me out. Like him under the lights, mumbles, and he was sweating under the lights. Mm-hmm. Um, but aside from me being scared as a child, the uh, the overall, I mean, the set direction, set design, the music, obviously Danny Elfman, but this felt like a Sin City before the Sin City movie. Like it felt like the overall scope of the movie was trying to be as true and as outlandish as a comic book. Mm-hmm. And I felt like it, it absolutely was gorgeous, I thought. And I don't know, it was interesting to see the that, um, I can't remember who does this trick, maybe if it's Spielberg or um, Scorsese, that kind of dual focus shot of two objects in the room where someone's in the foreground in focus and someone's also in the back of the room also in total focus. I think they it's did, Spielberg. I think he's he did that, that like he did that like six times in this movie, and some of them, one of them actually looked really bad, like it didn't fit at all. But um, I, as a as like an experiment, I thought it was a great experiment. I loved how everyone looked, the colors they chose, the palette for the overall movie. Amazing. I I kind of zoned out halfway through the movie. It felt like maybe it was a little too long. I started to get annoyed at Dick Tracy being a terrible cop. I mean, why would he hide the earring when he found it at Lips, um, like the disappearance of Lips Manless? Like, what would? Why would his first reaction of seeing a one earring be to hide it in his pocket? He's fine. He finds evidence of the walnut to whatever uh, he he finds his evidence. He takes that, but he sees the earring and he hides it. Why would that be his that first makes instinct? Sense. The only thing I can think of is maybe he kind of knew it maybe belonged to Breathless and wanted to protect her. I, I he feel knew like it the, belonged I feel... to some kind of salute woman that would be his <laughs> mistress, and he's like, okay, this is my inn right here, finally. I know from reading the wiki, so maybe I don't know anything at all, that there was a longer cut of this movie, and maybe that was some groundwork that got on the cutting room floor. felt like it was two and a half hours already. Yeah, it was long. I will say, though... Uh, the extra scenes, like the seduction scenes between Breathless and uh, Dick Tracy, I don't know why that had to be so extensive. I'm pretty sure we could have gotten along without Dick Tracy and Tess and the kid with a day in the country. Uh, but that was like a 25-minute montage. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I will say, when Dick Tracy is let out of jail for 24 hours to go clear his name and get Big Boy, and he steps out in that street with that Tommy gun, and just destroys about, I want to say, 40 hardworking people <laughs> and, like, three mobsters. Uh, that scene, that that is movie magic. It and, was like uh, the scene, it was like the deleted scene in RoboCop where the extended scene where the Ed 209 is obliterating that guy on the mock <laughs> city, and there's, like, an extra two minutes of his body being riddled with bullets. Like, that was that scene for Dick Tracy. He had a Tommy gun. It could have been a four-minute scene of him just unloading on townspeople. Uh, little known fact, apparently a Thompson submachine gun can shoot 50,000 rounds without having to be reloaded. <laughs> Uh, also, how was he not? I feel like I'm just pounding the fact that he was a terrible cop. How was he not thrown off the force so often in this movie? I, I mean, it must have been the best war. So he was the he best was, they had. The partners that he had that were at his beck and call, I would have given up on Dick Tracy at this point. I would say, F you, go do whatever you want. We're not, we're not involved. He got anymore. one of their own killed by leaving him there to bug uh, that place. 
uh, Dick Tracy, I have a family I need to eat. Can I leave uh, the Club Ritz? Uh, no, we'll just pipe in some hot coffee and you just live there now. That's your job. <laughs> just live there now. Yeah, what did that that guy do? Did he go to the bathroom up there? Or did he have like a can? <laughs> he just you know he just went inside his orange coat and then nobody was the wiser. I will say this, just saying it now, this movie is montage heavy. Yeah. There's the drive in the country. There's the scene where uh, Dick Tracy is catching all the crime because of the bug. And then I feel like 35 seconds later, there's a montage where the criminals are, are back on top because Dick Tracy gets put away. But I just, I just can't understand how That's what they can't arrest the mobsters, but then they throw them in jail anyway, and then they're going to call their lawyer, and then they arrest them again. Like I, I mean, I understandably am not a police officer, no idea how <laughs> right. jurisdiction and the law works, but this doesn't seem to be very congruent. But you could be fantastic to- looking but, film. But you could be totally off, Jonesy. I mean, you don't know. You don't know what I mean, you, I, you know, the law. I had to, I had to turn over my badge and my yeah. gun. You know what I mean? Yeah, the uh, it's uh, a lot of a lot of it. Maybe they just made the movie so they could have the different colored coats. <laughs> you know, Warren Beatty still puts that bad boy on every once Absolutely. in a while. And just walks around his house. Absolutely, he probably walk, he probably uses it as a house coat nowadays. It's just it's just <laughs> like overlooking some point in the in the in the Malibu or wherever he lives. I don't know. I'm not, Entirely sure where with an goes. empty uh, plastic Tommy gun, prop gun, and just walks out in his backyard. Poo poo pew 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 pew. Lights a cigarette. Lights a cigarette with it or something. I mean, that's what happens when you you star, you direct, you produce. He's a, he he's a triple threat yeah. on this movie. How about the um? How about Al Pacino? Fantastic. One of his better oh. roles. The, the dance uh, training number where they ran through that like four minute song and he's going along with the dances as well and making sure they do it all right. Good grief. Amazing. When, uh, that one back and forth where where he's like, boss, the uh, the girl's been playing all night and he slams his fingers with the uh, keyboard mm-hmm. cover. And then she's like, you shouldn't have done that. He's the best, best piano player in the city. <laughs> And he's like, sounds better already. <laughs> I mean, it, Pacino at his at his edge, at his finest. I felt like the uh, James Conn role was almost built for Robert De Niro, and he's like, eh, I don't want to do this movie. So they got James. Oh, Con. I could see that. I could see that cameo being a De Niro cameo. Yeah, cameo. yeah I mean, it's especially with the the rest of the cast around him is are so connected to De Niro. He they had a spot there for him, but. He wasn't in it, yeah. Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, as the crooked DA. That whole frame job yeah. also does it. So a guy just wore the same coat, so it has to be Dick Tracy. I, I, uh, and we're going to go in the conjecture of somebody shouting, oh, you, you're going to get me, Tracy. You put that gun down, Tracy. Like how? That's all circumstantial evidence. How does that hold so up you, in court? You hung up Nobody the did ballistics. You can't comment anymore. <laughs> You're out of line, Jonesy. The watch, the Dick Tracy watch, you know you salivated over it. I had one. I had a plastic one. Uh, All it did was tell the time when you pressed it, the little radio lit up. Like, yeah, uh, behind the speaker screen. The trailer, I mean, the trailer alone, when when he flashed that watch, the world was aflame with that watch. Everybody needed that thing. Oh, I need one. 
Wow, Kathy Bates was in this? Really? Yeah, she played a character, Mrs. Green? I don't know. Maybe that was Catherine the director's Hatton. cut. He was he shot up Mrs. Green in the uh, street. <laughs> she was just trying to buy groceries. <laughs> <laughs> it's legal. There's no nothing wrong with that at all. Fantastic movie, though. Just the art direction. It really was. Just film. to go back and watch it after all these years. I mean, it definitely wasn't on my radar ever until one of you guys brought it up as a possible special episode. And I was like, holy crap. I mean, it, are, it, and it holds up. That's the thing. Like, all this, this film should be 20, almost 25 years later. Uh, like, oh, you know, you can tell how bad the technology was or you can, you know, but it was made with old fashioned set pieces and mm-hmm. it was made to stand the test of time because it didn't shoot for the moon. It just, you know, shot for artistic and it still holds up. Like the painted backdrops look oh, great. I love those. Yeah. I love those. Yeah, they really did. I mean, there was even a scene with, I think the first scene you see the boy in, he's running down kind of an alley that's like a painted um Yeah, with the, set. the moon hanging up. Yeah. Gorgeous stuff. I love um, when he goes towards the shack where his uh, the guy eating the chicken bones is there, and the background is just like the painted city yeah. with like the fog and the, and the, the full moon. What a great... What a great way, I'm sure, to save money for the budget and to make the movie feel like a comic book. And you know what that scene reminded me of? The shack on the hill was the shack in the Batman the Animated Series with the werewolf. Oh, wow. Good callback on that that, one. It almost feels like a secret homage to that shack, which doesn't make any sense. but... (laughs) But no less beautiful. Yeah. Exactly. There were shacks in both. <laughs> so, <laughs> Bruce Tim was like, listen, let's see if we can cre- recreate the shack from Dick Tracy that came out a few years ago. <laughs> so, yeah. The, the <laughs> big question is, and I need you to answer this for me, how exactly does Dick Tracy clear his name? I mean, just because With he catches fists. Big Boy <laughs> and we know that Breathless Mahoney is the blank, she gives a confession and then she dies. So where is the judge like, well, I'm going to take your word for it that I guess you didn't kill this guy because we have this other corpse here that doesn't corroborate your story? I need to stop thinking about the plot or it's the, whole, the movie's going to unravel for me. Also, you kind of feel bad for Pacino because he didn't really kidnap Tess and he was like thrown into this situation where... Now he did kidnap her. And he's <laughs> that on the line run. is great where he's like, I didn't kidnap you before, but now I'm kidnapping you. Oh, Warren. What has he done since Dick Tracy, honestly? Uh, if you, uh, did, I don't know if you researched the film before watching, but. Bullworth. There were supposed to. Bullworth. There was supposed to be a, set, a follow-up of Dick Tracy too, And uh, us, there was some, some issue with the rights where he couldn't get it done. Hmm. And then they wanted to make it an uh, episodic television with a new person playing Dick Tracy, a younger actor, and then that got, you know. He wasn't having it now. Not when you're Warren Beatty. To just, and to just see. Poor. Just read in the wiki. <laughs> it's going to be I our next so. movie is Bullworth, oh. because Josie apparently <laughs> hates it. I know. He's such disgust by it. But to see... 
the movie, they wanted to try to start making this movie in 75. Warren Beatty had a concept for the movie. I mean, to, to, it took 15 years for this movie to get made. It takes a long time for a movie to get made. Also, in, in the wiki, they say that he was still trying to get a sequel made in, like, mid-2000. I he was probably, like, 91 in mid-2000. <laughs> yeah, he's got he's had to have given up. I mean, his face probably looks like an old catcher's mitt, but that's besides the point. <laughs> He has to oil that thing Bullworth. up for appearances. <laughs> Bullworth adds you, some years to your face. The, the years post Bullworth was not kind. The top five least favorite moments of Bullworth. <laughs> the part where he raps to a group of people. The part where he shows up drunk in that same GD gray flannel suit he wears for the whole movie. Breaking news, Jonesy has seen the movie Bullworth. <laughs> uh and it sounds like recently, too. He doesn't I pull these scenes out of nowhere. Who's seen the movie Bullworth? <laughs> Nobody has seen the movie Bullworth. Except you and Maya, who was in the movie. <laughs> Maya. I th- wasn't it Halle Berry? I don't think it was Maya. Ha- Halle Berry might have been in, too. You, you would know. I <laughs> yeah. wouldn't. Oh, well, it's the film that gave us the Maya hit, Ghetto Superstar. That's right. See, I see. I know. That's how I know it because I used to work at. The, I was working at the West Coast music video. store when Bullworth. <laughs> I was working at Camelot Music when Bullworth came out. So, yeah, uh, girl, what are you doing? You hitting the mall? You want to see Bullworth later for a matinee? Is that how you did it? Is that how you did it, Dale? <laughs> when you're recording your uh, fiance? <laughs> yeah, when we were recording, absolutely. I bought her the soundtrack. Bought her the single. <laughs> the single. And then, we, uh, then we went to see the movie. You you, uh, you want to get dangerous and flip to the B side here? Oh my! What a show, Dick Tracy. Can you imagine Warren Beatty like even now, calling up his ancient agent <laughs> and reminding him, "What's the story on this? Uh, we make any headway on this Dick Tracy two yet?" I'm thinking I could still pull it off. I'll go back to the gym three days a week. His a- his agent's two years older than he is. <laughs> his agent machine crib keeper. <laughs> What should our next uh, film be? Damn. Do we have any listener suggestions that we should go to? I don't know. Jensen, you're going to be in charge of that. <sighs> Great. You're going to pick it, Jonesy. Great. It's going to be the Rocketeer. He already picked it in his head. Oh, man. Done. I know. It's going to be... It's one of those situations where you hope Jonesy would... Not pick the obvious because it's so easy. We could save that for you know a rainy day, but uh-huh. he would pick it anyway. Thanks, Dale, for the confidence booster on that one. <laughs> uh, you know how Jonesy's sometimes a terrible scumbag and we hate every choice he makes. Well, this is one of those situations now. Okay, all right. It reminds me about the time I was back, back when I was courting my fiance. I kind of almost want to say Punisher Wars there. Not the original Dolph Lundgren? What was I thinking? That's the obvious choice. Oh, man. That would be amazing. Oh, man. I I forgot completely about Rated R movies. Remember, I couldn't see it when I was younger because it was Rated R. Dick Tracy, we'll see everybody next time.
I think we should do Bullworth. <laughs> <laughs>